everyone, welcome to the Raising Dakota podcast with me, your host, Courtney. And if you're a special needs parent, you're in the right place. So I hope you can sit back, relax, feel inspired, and always, always remember you're so much stronger than you could ever imagine. Welcome to the Raising Dakota podcast and a bonus special episode where I'm just going to be going over Dakota's primary diagnosis of Dandy Walker malformation and Baird-Sir Winter syndrome. Anyone who knows me probably has seen on my other social media platforms that today is Rare Disease Awareness Day. And I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to make a very short, simple episode just going over the two rare diagnoses that impact our life every single day. I just thought this would be a really short podcast that anyone who's interested in understanding Dakota's diagnosis could look back and listen to. So like I shared before, and like I've briefly touched on both of them, Dakota has been diagnosed with Baritzer-Winter syndrome and Dandy Walker malformation. He was diagnosed at birth with Dandy Walker malformation and was not diagnosed with Baritzer-Winter syndrome until he was five. With Baritzer-Winter syndrome, it is extremely rare. There are less than 100 confirmed cases in medical documentation. The first diagnosis of Baritzer-Winter syndrome was in 1988. And so even though it shows that it is very rare because there are very few diagnoses, it's still a relatively new diagnosis and it can only be diagnosed through genetic testing because of the fact that it is so uncommon. One of two genes have to mutate, either the ACTB gene or the ACTG1 gene has to mutate. For Dakota, ACTG1 gene mutated, which is the more rare form of the mutation Even though studies have shown the ACTG1 gene is the more rare form of the gene mutation, there really isn't a lot of obvious differences between individuals who carry the ACTB gene mutation or the ACTG1 gene mutation. I personally think that just goes back to there's really not a lot of information on this diagnosis in general. Studies have also shown that most of the time this is a new gene mutation specific with the child that the parents do not carry the gene mutation. There are rare few cases that the parents did carry the gene mutation and passed it on and in those cases there is a higher chance that they would have another child with Baritzer-Winter syndrome but in the cases where it is a new gene mutation those parents that don't carry the gene mutation have a very low risk of having another child with Barrett's or Winter syndrome, but each family situation is different, so it's definitely important to talk to a genetic counselor if you are considering having more children and the risk of having another child with Barrett's or Winter syndrome. Individuals with Barrett's or Winter syndrome tend to have some facial and physical abnormalities, such as the eyes tend to be spaced farther apart, as well as a wider bridge of the nose and they tend to be small in stature. They also have some brain abnormalities due to the structural differences in their brain which can result in mild to severe developmental delays as well as seizures, hearing loss, and other intellectual disabilities. It has also been shown that they can have low muscle tone or limited movement in larger joints. Individuals can also suffer from underlying heart defects as well. All of the information I provided for Barrett's or Winter Syndrome has come from either MedlinePlus or RareChrome.org. 
Both of these sites I have found to provide the most information about Barrett's or Winter Syndrome, but because it is so rare, there's limited information and it's not even listed on raredisease.org. Now with Dakota's diagnosis of Dandy Walker malformation, this is not as rare. It is still a rare diagnosis, but it's not as rare as Barrett's or Winter Syndrome. So we have a lot more information about it, but the struggle that we have is that there's so much information about it and there are so many cases that every case is really different and Dakota doesn't fit fully into all of those cases. Pretty much this diagnosis just tells us about the brain abnormalities that Dakota has because he has other underlying conditions that are not really explained by either diagnosis of Dandy Walker malformation or Barrett's or Winter Syndrome. Dandy Walker occurs in one out of every 25,000 to 35,000 live births in the United States. It actually tends to affect females more than it affects males. It can be diagnosed using a fetal MRI during pregnancy or after the child has been born using MRI, CT, ultrasound, any imaging to look at the brain abnormalities because Dandy Walker malformation is a brain malformation primarily affected by the cerebellum. So all individuals with a Dandy Walker malformation have some variation of abnormalities with the cerebellum, but it does have other underlying brain abnormalities that might include a genesis of the corpus callosum, which means that the connections between the right and left hemisphere are either missing and not there at all, or there are limited connections between the two hemispheres, which has an impact on the individual's ability to process information, as well as enlarged ventricles and hydrocephalus, which is fluid buildup on the brain, which could require a shunt. Because of the brain abnormalities, individuals with Dandy Walker can also have seizures, hearing loss, low muscle tone, lack of coordination, and overall global developmental delays, which is affected by the amount of brain abnormalities or malformations that that individual might have. Dandy Walker is a result of a defect that happens early in pregnancy surrounding the cerebellum and those surrounding structures. Research has shown that there are a few cases where it was caused by a chromosome abnormality and it has shown that in those cases that there is actually a higher risk of them having more children with Dandy Walker. All of the information I have provided in regards to Dandy Walker malformation has been found on medlineplus.gov as well as raredisease.org. While having these diagnoses doesn't tell us everything about Dakota and will it ever define Dakota, it does give us some good information about his brain and the way it works because he does have the agenesis of the corpus callosum, a smaller cerebellum, he had enlarged ventricles when he was born, and he has the bilateral sensory neural hearing loss. Because of this information, we know Dakota is going to struggle with fatiguing easily due to the low muscle tone, coordination, and processing information. It's just going to take him a lot longer to learn things and complete them. But what we've also realized is that through repetition, Dakota does really well. So repeating the same activity multiple times helps his brain process it, understand it, and complete the activity that we want him to do. Also, by having this information of all of the abnormalities of his brain, it was easier for us to make the decision to move forward with getting him cochlear implants because of the fact that Dakota is nonverbal. 
but his brain has some pretty severe abnormalities and malformations that we did not know which form of communication would be best for him. So our whole mindset behind it was providing him all forms of communication is going to be the best way for him to understand communication. So we provide him with auditory, we've provided him with signs, and we've also provided him with a PECS system, which is a picture exchange communication system where he uses picture cards to communicate wants and needs. And he actually does well with all three. Because of the lack of coordination, sign language is actually very hard for him to learn. He needs a lot of hand-over-hand prompting still to this day, even though we have worked on sign language with him since he was a baby. But because of the fact that we knew he had a lot more going on in his brain, that we already knew it was going to be a struggle. So we just wanted to provide communication from all forms, as much communication as possible to make sure that we weren't limiting his development and his growth. Like I've said several times, Dakota's diagnosis will never define him. He is the only person who can decide when, where, what he's going to do, what he can and what he can't do. That's all on him. But it is still nice to have that information so that way we can make more informative decisions when it comes to Dakota's care and just have more basic information and knowledge about what's going on with him. So whether your child has a rare diagnosis or a not so rare diagnosis, I definitely recommend doing your own research and learning as much as you possibly can about the diagnosis, meeting with a genetic counselor, meeting with other families who have a similar situation, I just find it helpful to have more information and a better understanding of the diagnosis. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this bonus episode. I will be posting back to my normal schedule tomorrow, sharing more on our NICU stay. So stay tuned for that.